ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Work With Purpose, a podcast about the Australian public service. My name's David Pembroke. Thanks for joining me. I begin today's podcast by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet today, the Ngunnawal people, and pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging, and acknowledge their ongoing contribution that they make to the life of our city and this region. Also joining me today is another of the very talented IPA future leaders who often join me here to ask questions. And today, it's Kat Terrace, who is from the Digital Messaging and Analytics Branch of the Digital Services Division of Services Australia. And Kat joins us from her office in the beautiful New South Wales, south coastal town of Shell Harbour, where she works. Kat, welcome to the program. Our guest today is Rebecca Skinner, the Chief Executive Officer of Services Australia, the agency responsible for delivering government payments and services. Now, while Rebecca may be one of Australia's most experienced public servants, having held senior positions in Defence, Prime Minister and Cabinet and Attorney Generals, I'm not sure anything would have prepared her for the challenge of starting work as the new boss of a critically important national agency in the middle of a global health pandemic just one week before one million Australians lost their jobs. And we always have to remember that this was the agency still bearing the strain of having spent several months helping thousands of Australians to deal with the trauma of the country's single largest ever bushfire crisis. Earlier in the Work With Purpose program, we spoke with Catherine Campbell, and Catherine spoke honestly about the challenges of COVID-19, including the moment where the ICT system famously wobbled, but also of the great pride she felt in her team and indeed the entire APS for the way they have responded to assist their fellow Australians. Well, Rebecca Skinner was in the engine room through all of it as thousands of staff were redeployed from across the APS into Services Australia. She was spinning plates as the National Cabinet racked up more than 50 policy changes that her team worked tirelessly to implement without delay. At its peak, the MyGov website, which is the government's digital front door for services and payments, had 3 million visitors in a single day. The number of claims normally dealt with in years were being processed in days as Services Australia managed this once-in-a-generation crisis. With the immediate peak of the health crisis, at least at a national level, now starting to subside, I'm pleased to say that Rebecca has found the time to join me in Studio 19. Rebecca Skinner, welcome to Work With Purpose. Terrific, thanks, and thanks very much for having me today, and, and thanks to, to Kat, who, who perhaps is working with an office in a box, maybe, down at <laughs> Shell Harbour, or actually has a proper uh, Services Australia um, uh, uh, system there. We had, did have, uh, I think we've got two famous things. One, we had the computer system that famously <laughs> wobbled, and we also have the rather famous office in a box if you can't get into a Services Australia office. We'll come to the, to, to the office in a box, and lots of the other things as well. 
well because I, I what did happen to be at the, uh, um, the the speech yesterday given by the minister, which really set out not just his pride in what has happened, but certainly a big agenda that's coming. And we'll come to that as well. But I'm interested, Rebecca, in you. How are you holding up under this? Because that really must have been something else, that you were getting ready to start this job, knowing that the bushfire crisis was there, but then watching what was coming. It must have been such a, an enormous baptism of fire. Look, it, it was, and I think sometimes uh, you may be better off if you just don't know what you're in for. Um, I had uh, spent the summer myself um, uh, acting both as the Associate Secretary in Defence and acting as the Secretary in Def- of Defence through that bushfire piece when Defence actually was uh, in lockstep and working really closely with Services Australia. So I, I sort of spent most of January working really closely with Services Australia on delivering that bushfire uh, outcome but I sort of so you do you felt all of that effort and then we rolled into the COVID-19 and I'd been working on the COVID-19 response in defence before sort of it all happened very quickly Uh, a government announced my appointment on the Wednesday Um, I think I left defence that Wednesday night to maybe just go home and pause for a couple of days which really I spent responding to all the beautiful texts and emails I got from people wishing me well in my new role and I was thinking to myself oh that COVID-19 thing I, this is going to have a big impact and Catherine saying to me it's going to have a big impact and I said okay so I rolled up on my first day and you do the first thing and you welcome the leadership there and you say we're going to all work really closely together and it's going to be terrific um, and then uh, by Wednesday you could see that the world was really going to be something different and then I sat up on that Sunday night uh, listening to that speech thinking, oh, I think this is going to have a really big impact on me. And the next morning um, on the uh, the big 75-inch TV that plays sport in my lounge room for <laughs> mainly my husband, um, uh, he's saying to me, there's Centrelink queues are on the TV. There's already queues outside people. Do you think that's got an impact on you, he said to me. And I'm thinking to myself... Just maybe it does. And I quickly got to the office and I learned about Services Australia and all the amazing things we could do from that day. But there was a moment where you just thought, how are we going to get past this? Um, And what you know at that point is that you will because tomorrow the sun will come up. Mm. Um, So what do you do? You get all the people you can around you. Um, They know what's going on. You know that you've got a lot of terrific people and you find a way to marshal all of that expertise and you accept all the help that people offer you, uh, both from our portfolio, DSS, but across the Commonwealth. Um, And that's sort of how we got started on, okay, just what are we going to do next? What are we going to do next? And just keep a a really laser-like focus on what the challenge was and that's what we did. And so it, exactly that. It's it's not the time for the great strategy to sit back and wait. It's it's time to jump in. But what were the principles that were guiding some of that decision-making that you were holding to as you were making the, those important decisions, not only about supporting the people but getting the staff ready to be able to respond? So there was, a, there was a few things that became uh, clear. Uh, well, government mobilised around job seeker and then later job keeper. That was really important to us because they simplified the policy environment under which we could implement our services. So the first thing that happened was we had to relieve the valve somehow on all of the people who were wanting to queue up outside. People felt they had to do something. Yeah. So they went to a Centrelink office and they queued up. We didn't want it. That was one of the least safe things to do and in environment where we wanted people to stay at home. Um, We pushed our digital offering. So we really did a couple of things, focused on 
uh, how to keep people at home, how to keep people on a digital channel, how to get more staff in to help with telephones so that you could um, uh, get people out of coming to the centre and getting people to feel that they could help themselves. And the, one of the key things was putting in place that intent to claim, which relieved the pressure valve on people feeling the need to do something. So our principles really were, what can we do for the customer? How do we deliver our service? And um, how do we make our capacity bigger? Because that was where we were had the famous wobble, um, the phone lines were out of control, um, and uh, we really had to sort of somehow break through that. How do you manage the pressure as it's starting to build, as the system wobbles, as the phones start to call, as it starts to build up? And I'm sure there's pressure, you know, coming into the minister's offices and the prime minister's office and everyone, it's it's time to solve the yeah. problem. How do you manage that? Look, the way I look, the way I manage it is is you you um, it was a moment that the leadership team worked as a team and the best thing to do is acknowledge the pressure and share the pressure so that no one person feels more under pressure than the other. Acknowledge that this is difficult, acknowledge that it's hard, but know that, well, we're the ones here, so um, uh, we'll just keep focusing on that delivery. So in a sense, um, there was a lot of pressure, but I there wasn't enough time to worry about whether you were going to be able to survive under the pressure or not. It was about focusing on what needed to be done and um, and keeping making sure you were pushing that along and distributing the work out as far as you could so that more people could help you. Was there a was there a moment a dark moment in, in in any of this, or did you maintain optimism throughout? Well, I'm a bit of an optimistic person, so I'm I'm often described as a bit glass half full. <laughs> uh, so I kept trying to top my glass back up to that half full mark. Um, look, I um, I did worry uh, when the the um, the queues. The, the number of claims on hand got up to that 400,000 sort of mark. Um, I did wonder whether we could we could do it, but by that stage we had, I'd, we'd got a couple of other uh, leaders in helping us who had a bit more experience of what bad can look like when the service, the social security and welfare system gets itself into a really difficult place. And they were telling me all the time that actually, no, you're mobilising the right number of people. We're training the right number of people. Um, don't worry. Um, it will start to come good. And they were right. And they did. We did get some other experts in to help model what was going to happen and that kept, kept us focusing on how many people we needed to push into the pipe and how we needed to deliver the training. A real challenge for the organisation was doing business a bit differently. Um, it did have more historic models of come in the door, be well trained, go on to the next thing and I was pushing and others were pushing models of no, just in time training just train for this claim type, just train to do this type of phone call and we'll channel just those tasks at people and we will we will um, not try to train everyone to do everything. Yeah. Do you feel that you were well prepared? It sounds like you were quite well well prepared to be able to deal with it or adaptable. Uh, look, I've come from defence. Big stuff happens, scale happens. So... To the extent that I brought with me a, a, a knowledge that 
um, if you have a big organisation with a delivery focus, uh, you'll find a way to deliver the outcome that's expected of you. So that's my glass half full yeah. because I've, I've been there in a range of defence crisis. I've been there in, uh, you know, I was a junior officer when we went into East Timor for the first time. I was there when we went into Iraq. A range of things like that were, were new territory. So I just had to have this sort of optimism that... Uh, if you keep people focused, if you've got scale, you can um, you can eventually uh, uh, find the path to deliver the outcome. Mm. Now, I was, as I mentioned, uh, at the speech yesterday um, by the minister, and he, he admitted, um, as you would expect, that it wasn't perfect and things did go wrong. But I sort of sat there and thought, well, it's, it's almost completely and totally unrealistic to think that, oh, no, it was, you know, everything went perfectly well. So do you are you concerned in any way that in the inevitable post-mortem that there may be, you know, an overemphasis on, you know, why didn't you do this or how come that didn't work and that sort of analysis as opposed to, actually, we did pretty well here? Uh, look, of course there will be that and I think um, we've had uh, there's a, a Senate inquiry that's being on that's explored a few of those issues and we are always vulnerable to the revisionist history of why didn't you do X yeah. um, and We've uh, participating in an ANAO audit of uh, the implementation of all of the policy and things and services Australia is part of that. Uh, my view is to try to welcome that uh, and, you know, we do welcome that sort of uh, uh, in look. Um, to support myself there, we've... Um, uh, done a bit of an internal look at the things we did well and where could we have made sure we managed risk a bit better and uh, brought forward a few lessons from that that we can then apply as we move through to the next phase where we expect it to be a bit bumpy and a bit busy as we as um, the likely COVID environment um, uh, policy system is readjusted. Mm. Uh, so um, have been doing that. Uh, the biggest thing people will criticise you for is well, you're not doing proper risk management. Uh, so what we did do was try to make sure we uh, had a strong governance structure and we captured the decisions that we were taking uh, and then we can look back about whether all of those decisions were were right. And most of our, most of our issues will be just doing, to do with... Uh, uh, did we move uh, quickly enough to be more adaptable around some of the things and did we capture all of the risks that we could have been looking at? OK, fair enough. Now, one of the, the great features of this podcast is that we get to hear from IPA's future leaders and members of the committee. And as she was introduced at the beginning of the program, one of your own. Absolutely. Um, Kat, who is down over there in Shell Harbour, lucky her. Um, Kat Terrace, I'll throw to you now to direct your questions uh, to, to the boss. Thank you, David. Um, Rebecca, you just mentioned um, some reflections that you did with your team on what worked well and what didn't work so well um, and what we might do differently next time. We found these really useful in my team because um, we were working on so many different projects. Um, I'm wondering what you did find worked well and what you would have done differently. Uh, so, and I think it's always worth po pointing out that sometimes the things that worked well were things you stumbled into um, and some <laughs> things you thought were going to work well just really didn't work well and so you tried to stumble out of them. So one of the things I think worked well... Uh, 
which was partly, these were partly things we stumbled into. I was new, so I couldn't go off uh, leading the organisation with all of my deep background because I had none. Um, so I uh, got the leadership team uh, together uh, multiple times a day and we worked collectively to solve the problems. That worked well for us. Um, it worked well for us um, because people got to share the challenges, um, but also people got to share solutions and help each other, uh, particularly when we had to move workforce around Services Australia. And as soon as you start to move workforce, everybody battens down the hatches and holds tight to their people, thinking that um, they've got their own outcomes to deliver. So collective delivery uh, was something we stumbled into. The other thing I think we stumbled into was that when there is a big crisis going on, uh, one clear authoritative point of communication uh, worked well and I began about in the middle of the second week or maybe the early in the third week to communicate every single day to every single person in Services Australia, including all of the workforce that was flowing in um, from both the broader APS and from service delivery partners and uh, other um, uh, sort of reserve workforce that we pulled in. So I found that in the end really successful. It seemed to be able to keep people clear about what the agenda was and it helped us celebrate a lot of our success and keep people motivated. Um, and I, those were sort of um, areas that I found we stumbled into but were pretty successful. Um, things where we needed to, to adjust... Um, we uh, took a bit of time to really get an understanding of how to get the workforce working from home. I think now we would have had a better... If we did this all again and we're clearer in Melbourne right now, uh, we had a system about how to do that, so there was a bit of innovation had to happen there um, and it, we got into... It was a bit tricky to work out exactly what to do with staff. Um, we uh, weren't... I think we weren't quick enough to accept help in some areas like uh, I was keen to get the help in other areas uh, in our delivery system were um, delightfully uh, uh, confident they could deliver uh, in the emergency like they've always delivered and it took us a little bit of leadership effort to uh, convince them, though they had to take some help. We needed other thousands of staff to come in. Other people needed to help do the recruitment, do the training and things like that. So they were some of the areas where they didn't go that... We got there, but they could have been smoother at the beginning if we'd had a, um, a, a probably a bit more of an open approach to, uh, to getting help and doing things a bit more differently. One other question I had... Um, which actually comes from Michael Sennessy from PwC. Um, it's about staff physical and mental health and wellbeing. You mentioned before that um, you found it useful to share the pressure. Um, I wonder what else you do personally um, and um, perhaps share more broadly to support wellbeing um, as well as how future leaders should consider these for themselves and their leadership style. Look, health and wellbeing in a crisis is really important. People can keep going a long time on adrenaline um, and it's important to uh, just type try and stop um, and have a bit of a bit of a break. So uh, look a few things organizationally we uh, 
um, put in place some strong work health and safety measures in the offices. We thinned them out. Um, we had the same down challenges getting sanitizer and things like that and we eventually got past sorts of those things from me personally people in services australia will know i walk my dog she's called sparkles she's slightly odd um and she was a rescue dog from the pound earlier this year so and i have a fabulous exercise buddy who without fail is on the street corner at quarter past five in the morning to go for a walk so i kept up my exercise uh, that was what was important to me to give me that keep that fitness going um, and trying to eat well. So those are the two things I try to do and try to encourage other people uh, to do as well. It is okay just to stop. I also will admit to maybe watching some junk TV at some points in time. I'm not completely going to disclose what sort <laughs> of junk TV say, I'll watch. Name names. No, 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 that'd be truly. I'll, I'll, I'll own up to a dog called Sparkles, but not junk. my junk TV. But, um, but uh, you know, just to take that 40 minutes to just watch something stupid on television that's completely unrealistic is, um, is, is useful as well as exercise and sort of eat well. When you're realising you're drinking glass of wine eating chocolate and you've just had takeaway for the third night in a row you pause and you regroup because you know that's not a trajectory that's going to going to end very well and get back to a bit of exercise and sparkling water just one more question Rebecca from, from myself again um, COVID-19 allowed the APS and Services Australia to demonstrate its mobility as you mentioned before with um staff coming in to complete claim processing and answer phone calls. Um, given that gaining diverse experiences is important, is an important part of career development, do you think that this will help the APS increase its level of mobility and opportunities for emerging leaders across the public service? Look, thanks, Kat. That's a great. It's a great question. Our minister yesterday said um, that you know if service is beneath you, then leadership is beyond you, and I think that is really an important. Um, it's a it's a great statement. It certainly does help people's career to have been involved in service. Um, we are Australian public servants. We are servants of the people of Australia. Um, it is. It, it's been tremendous and I think it will be very helpful to so many people that um, as Australian public servants, they will be able to reflect on a time where they actually helped and served Australian citizens directly. And I think, I mean, without, um, you know, uh, most people I think found that to be the one of the most rewarding things they'd done. Whether they'd been in the APS for five minutes, like all our fabulous grads from across the public service, or colleagues that had been in the public service for 30 years. They all said the same sort of thing. So we do, I think, need to look at ways in which we can put service delivery into people's careers because it does connect um, policy, policy um, creation with implementation and, and delivery and understanding what citizens uh, really need from the services that we provide. So I do think it's a really important part of career development and I, um, I, I think that uh, it's an energising thing for people to come and do something different and it's a great personal development we, are, we all grow if we do something different. And I saw the fear on people's faces when they first arrived down in Tuggeranong and the task was... 
they were going to have to call an Australian citizen because the first task was we were trying to help people create customer reference numbers and we wanted people to call. And people were really fearful of that. Um, and once, But once they were brave and they had a go and they were awarded by the delight that the Australian citizen um, provided back to them from having been contacted by the government, uh, they were on to that next call straight away. So um, what it really shows is if you are brave enough to try something uh, different, then we all grow and we all learn ourselves. So I think that's the biggest leadership piece I'd take away. You know, I'd say to people, you know, we've all heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You need food, you need shelter. Well, we've got those. Um, you've got a job. We've got a nice office accommodation. We'll even pay for the heating and it's cold here in Canberra. So all we're really asking you to do is be brave and and, and challenge yourself to make a phone call to an Australian citizen and people people grew and developed out of that and they did things they never thought they could do and that just and then the next time they're confronted with a challenge they think to themselves I can do that um, I can do that and then we begin our growth program um, uh, up the ladder of uh, personal and professional development so I think it's a great idea. Well, Kat Terrace, thank you for joining us from Shell Harbour today. And, Rebecca, uh, again, reference to the Minister's speech yesterday, um, there's certainly not going to be any let-up, um, could I suggest. You know, he outlined a vast program of work, but based on the principles of simplicity, helpfulness, respectfulness and transparency. And he's promised that Services Australia won't be, on, won't be caught flat-footed. So... How are you going to keep it up? How are you going to sustain the momentum? Well, we've released a master plan uh, today, uh, uh, sort of yesterday and into today. We've got a big agenda. One, we've, we've got to focus on service delivery, but we've got to keep uh, uh, iterating that in a way that allows citizens to stay and talk to us online, stay in the digital channel, help themselves, talk to us on the phone and get past those sort of old-fashioned ideas of the only way to get a service is to come into to a shop. The way we're going to do that um, is by really taking uh, uh, what the Minister calls sprints, but I'd sort of focus on 90-day chunks of deliverables. So what are the things that we can inch towards a better experience for a customer um, that we can do in 90 days? And it might be that we do, you know, half of it in 90 days and the other half in the next 90 days. But let's keep a focus on ourselves and in an accountable way about what we're delivering over a short period of time and make sure we're improving the customer's experience along those four words of simple, helpful, respectful and transparent. So, you know, in the, in, as he would say, in the next 90 days, we will hopefully get our digital ID up. That would mean you don't need to come into a service centre to, for us to uh, assure ourselves that you are um, who you say you are. We'll, we'll look at digital ways of doing that. Um, we want to get to a point where people only need to come into our office to receive, you know, very particular services and that we allow them to do everything online. And where we can, we do it for them. So in the same way that tax can populate your tax return these days, we want to be able to populate the form for people and not have to have them fill it in. So, we, And we want people to be able to update their details and all of those things. We want um, uh, payments to be designed end-to-end -end so people don't incur, uh, receive overpayments and therefore people don't get debt. So we want to redo that. 90-day chunks, sprints, hold to account, 
clearly have people in charge of those activities. That's how we're going to achieve that over the next two to five years. So in terms of your satisfaction as, as to where, where Services Australia are at at the moment, where would you mark yourself at the moment in terms of your level of satisfaction in being able to deliver that quality of service? I, I think our quality of service probably depends on particular products. Okay. Like we, we've delivered a really great timely service around JobSeeker. Um, others of our services are a bit are a bit older. So uh, we tend to roll our KPI up to one big sort of average service sort of satisfaction. Yeah. So I'm going to be a bit of a politician here and evade <laughs> your question. Um, I think we've done well on JobSeeker. I think there are other things where we need to do much, much better. Uh, I think we've been a bit slow on some of the tech front. We can manage capacity, but we can't show a citizen where their claim is up to, so that's bad. So we, we can help you fill it in easy, but we can't tell you where it's up to. So, so I think we're sort of great on some things, okay on some things and poor on some other things and it's about trying to sh keep moving everything in a more positive direction so there's a more consistency of service. Mm. It's, it's hard though, isn't it, with the legacy systems, new systems, the investment, bringing teams together to be able to deliver this very complex series of programs and algorithms and everything else that makes it happen. It's not, not simple, is it? No, it's not simple. Um, I have a bit of a tech background as in my past, so yes. that helps me not to be... Um, helps me to engage in a rich way with my technical uh, leaders in Services Australia, so I sort of enjoy that. They all learned pretty quickly that bit from way back in my past of being a maths teacher meant that I wasn't interested in a paragraph, but I wanted a graph. Uh, so <laughs> We've been much more data-driven. Okay. Uh, and as we move to being technically and data-driven, then we can make more better decisions about where we make our next investments. So um, it isn't easy. Uh, that takes It's going to take a huge amount of leadership effort and a lot of consistency, but that's why our master plan helps us sort of focus on what the outcome needs to look like. A final question to you. What do you like about or love about being a public servant? Oh, I love I love Look everything. At your face. Yeah, no, I love everything. <laughs> I am the luckiest public servant alive. You know, I, I've come from the defence organisations. I've done all sorts of cool things there, um, and here I am, absolutely delighting in the difference um, to leading an organisation compared to defence. I was fortunate to be involved uh, uh, quite a bit with things like our future submarine program, but you know, you have to remain excited on a delivery trajectory that won't see it in the water till twenty thirty two. So the idea that we we could, um, by the end of this year, deliver digital identities, deliver new online tools, deliver more more capabilities. For me, it's the delight of being able to do it sort of now uh, and not uh, so uh, be have such a long time. Um, so I'm just been fortunate to um, have. My dad was a public servant. My mum was a public servant. And my dad once said to me, um, "If you join public service, um, you will never have a boring job ever." And uh, that, is, um, that is absolutely true to this day. Well, Rebecca Skinner, thank you for your service and thanks for coming on to Work With Purpose. Terrific. Thanks very much. Um, well played. Uh, get some rest. It sounds like you've uh, got plenty ahead of you. Um, a fantastic story there from Rebecca Skinner. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Work With Purpose is part of the GovComs podcast network. And if you would like to listen to that podcast, which I strongly suggest you do, you'll find it by typing the name 
GovComs into any of your podcast apps and have a listen to that because it will come up. Thanks also to you, the audience, for giving us some of your valuable time and attention once again. And please share, rate and review our program so it can be found by others. The audience is continuing to grow. We are now in the thousands of downloads every week, which is just spectacular. So thank you very much. And thank you very much to Rebecca Skinner for coming on, because I'm sure there'll be even thousands more. And we do appreciate them. So please pass it along and your efforts are certainly working. Thanks also once again to our great partners here at IPA and the Australian Public Service Commission who have been so supportive in making these conversations happen. Thanks once again to Rebecca Skinner and to Cat Terrace down there in Shell Harbour. I'm David Pembroke. Thanks for joining me. We'll be back at the same time next week, but for the moment, it's bye for now. Work With Purpose is a production of Content Group in partnership with the Institute of Public Administration Australia and with the support of the Australian Public Service Commission.